Hey podcast listeners, Mike Rappin, host of the I Read Comic Books podcast here. It is the final week of the listener survey. So if you've been putting it off and you still want to take the survey, visit us at ircb.us slash survey on your mobile phone or computer. The survey will be closed on November 30th. We'll be announcing some of the results on our 100th episode in January. And on one final note, next week's episode will be a mini-sode, but we'll begin taking your feedback from the survey to shape the show starting December 7th for episode 94. Again, you can take the survey at ircb.us slash survey. Now on to the show. This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin. With me this week are two amazing people, Nick White. Hey. And Kate Scotchless. Hello. Thank you both for joining me this week. Super excited to be back after not being here last week. You two handled the show very well, and hats off to Tia as well, who is not here this week. So let me ask you the question I ask every week. How have you been, and how have comic books been? Nick, I'm throwing it to you. Comics this week have been... Well, I've made a real concerted effort, so at this point, you can cue the patriotic music in your mind, uh, whether that's the Star Spangled Banner or, um, you know... Oh, Canada. Okay, I mean, sure, if O Canada is pertinent to you, go right ahead. Uh, I uh, went in the closet today and looked at my huge piles of books, and I said, uh, today is not the day that these books fall on me, and I'm on the local news with, like, <laughs> my legs sticking out from under a pair of long boxes. <laughs> area man crushed by his love (laughs) i will not be the uh newsman's transition to the sports guy where the guy goes nerds and then and then they switch over to like you know the the yankee score that's not that's not going to be me or at least not for a bit so i read a bit a good amount i'm still behind on a lot of things but i i made an effort can't say i didn't try um that's what i try to tell my parents all the time uh it's still not enough um so i read green arrow seven and eight i got to see the new artist of stephen byrne on it very like sort of neon colors a more animated look uh i think still one of the greater successes of this book is that black canary retains sort of the personality she had from her solo book during dcu Um, oh very cool it's very much like she's not She's not the sidekick. She's not the love interest. She's, you know, someone who's an equal partner in his life as he is in hers. Uh, and I think um, writer Ben Percy is making a real great effort to make that evident. Um, I also finally read Reborn Number 1. Uh, oh, boy. Is this Mark Millar's best book or Mark Miller? Um, I think so. Am I largely biased because it has Greg Apollo on art with his entire art team from Batman, uh, Jonathan Glapian and FCO Placenta? Uh, uh, I think it's Placentia. Pronounce- yeah, sure. On uh, on uh, <laughs> colors, yeah, that probably helps a whole bunch. Um, it, this book has yet to sport uh, Mark Miller's uh, signature um, murder boner of sorts. Uh, the man, the man gets off on extreme violence. There's really no two ways of saying it. Right. Um, so I am very excited about this book until it lets me down. Um, uh, the Rick Remender effect, <laughs> which is true of most books I read. I like it until I don't like it. Right. Put that, put that box quote on the back of the reborn trade, please. Mm-hmm. Um, I read Bloodshot Reborn number eighteen. Um, I was actually supposed to read this before reading Bloodshot USA, so I pulled the old Nick White red issues out of order signature move, which I think we've all maybe done every once in a while. Um, yeah, yeah. 
if you want a good incentive to not fall behind on your books, uh, getting so far behind that you read issues in the wrong order uh, will definitely keep you from doing this too much. Uh, well, that's for Nick, sure. They actually really conveniently put like numbers on the front that tell you yeah, which order to yeah. read them in. Yeah, I know. Well, I forgot <laughs> this issue existed because this is um. So you had Bloodshot Reborn, and then Bloodshot Reborn became Bloodshot Island, and then this issue is sort of the bridge between Bloodshot Island and Bloodshot USA, so this is the only issue with the caption, Castaways of Bloodshot Island, and so it sort of didn't really stand out. They should have put the Bloodshot Reborn number on it, which I'm sure they did, and I'm just uh, talking out of my ass on this one. <laughs> um Really quickly, one or two other things. I read All-Star Batman number four. I think this was probably the issue I've actually... I shouldn't say most disappointed in, because honestly, up to this point, I haven't been disappointed. I think this mm-hmm. is the first issue that actually slightly disappointed me. That's probably the better way of putting it. Um, we learned that Batman does have little capsules. Um, parts of his armor on his chest can uh, are concussive and can blast off and punch people in the face. Uh, <laughs> sure. Which, honestly like took the book from like a five in my mind to about an eight uh, <laughs> and then i think i think um two-face says yeah you're gonna run out of gadgets and i'm like buddy you are so fucking wrong you don't even know <laughs> this isn't this isn't a river this is an ocean motherfucker right uh, and for those of you who have played bioshock infinite you're like yeah not only did you reference the game you actually probably got the quote wrong But the one thing I really, really want to talk about, and not because it was a fantastic issue, but because it was a minor, a major brain fuck, was uh, Ninjak 20. Good God, Matt Kent. Sometimes you got to dumb things down for me, please. Please, honestly, you have to. (laughs) So this book is about Ninjak, who in the present day enters into a deep meditation that allows him to tap into a metaphysical virus that affects... Uh, the past, the present, and the future simultaneously, which in turn allows him to access the future self that's dying because of his most recent, in the present day, far, far uh, experience in the dead side, which has forced him to hunt down a cure with the future iteration of Eternal Warrior. Oh, God. What? And I think I've got that right. <laughs> that's me thinking I've got it right. I probably don't have it right. Oh, my goodness. Uh- so if you're not reading Valiant and you really want to be challenged by a comic book, <laughs> oh this is the God. series to be reading. It's, um, yes, yes, absolutely. I'm going to have to map this out. I'm honestly hoping 21 clears it all up, but that's what I've been reading. Uh, what about you, Kate? Hopefully not Ninjak 20. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, despite uh, the peer pressure I experience on a regular basis, I have not yet begun ni- uh, Ninjak. But I did read quite a lot this week. I also had a big catch-up week, so a lot of the stuff I read wasn't uh, new from this week. I read uh, Batman number 11, in which, in a shocking turn of events, villains aren't the most reliable teammates. Um, Death of X number 3, which I I can't be the only one, because the MCU has trained us so well for this, but when Magneto shows up with his crew, the bass just drops in my head, like, you know that kind of thing oh yeah so oh, that's yeah. totally you're reading this comic and then it comes to this panel and you're like Duh. anyway um moving on uh black hammer number five was like this perfect example of how backstory 
issues should be done. It's like seamlessly intertwined with the present day um, storyline. And it's also a good story while being informative setup. So it doesn't feel like, oh God, we have to slog through this to get, you know, to set up the next bit. It was really, really well done, which can be said for any of the Black Hammer issues at this point, I think. Can I really quickly interject on that book and just make a 10 second public service announcement? Uh, For those who are reading Black Hammer, there is actually an annual on the way. I think it's about two months off. And for those of you who are pulling the book, um, just be aware that that's a thing and you might want to look into it. The artwork on this book is going to be amazing. It is going to be an oversized issue. It is going to cost more money than you're probably comfortable spending. Um, But it's a thing and you might want to look out for it. Thank you for that, Nick. Appreciate that. Yep. Do appreciate it. It turns out, yeah, I contacted my chef about it. I'm like, oh, yeah, we automatically pull stuff like that in case people want it. Like, if you're already subscribed to the series, I'm like, oh, good to know. Because I, w- I am one of those people that miss this. I thought you, you were going to say that they automatically pulled it for you. And I was going to be like, whoa, shop, pump the brakes. Well, <laughs> yeah. okay, so my Don't shop doesn't, do they're not. Obligated you don't ha- to buy yeah, it. that's the word I was going for. You don't have to buy it. They're literally just pulling it to show it to you. Like, hey, you want this thing? We kind of figure right. we, we can sell it to you. Um, in fact, if you want like different covers and stuff, they're like, well, we'll order these three and you pick one kind of thing. So uh, it's a pretty sweet deal. That's nice. That's nice. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I also read Green Valley number two, which is your really standard call to action, you know, narrative structure. Uh, your resistance. and Yep, exactly. Resistance and then acceptance of the mission, et cetera, et cetera. Yay for plot, plot structure, but boo that this is an entire issue basically standing in one spot. Like, literally, they're like just standing in the spot for almost the entire thing until the very end. Yeah. So yeah. that was kind of like, ugh, after the first issue being so awesome. And this, I'm sure it's, we're going to move on from this. But like I said, it's just like a whole issue of that. And you're like, hmm, okay. Yeah, I was going to um, talk also, about this too. If I can interject really quickly, the one thing that's really bugging me about this book is that Max Landis made this big thing in his letter bit for the end of the issue. It was like, this is a book that you have no idea what's coming. Yeah. Oh, my God. But then at the... No, no, no. But at the... That was in issue number one. But in issue number two, the artist, Giuseppe... uh, Camogli or whatever. Yeah. yeah, uh, He also made a big deal about it, too, to which I'm like, hmm, this guy's been in comics for a while and he's saying this. Is this just all hyperbole or is it actually going to be really good i don't these first two issues haven't gotten me there yet so i'm just yeah really curious i'm sure he's just an echo chamber for max landis he's like yeah yeah you're great, exactly max. that's you're what so i read good. it as you're so great. yeah just tell Who me doesn't what to talk say up max, their own stuff. and stop calling me <laughs> <laughs> yeah Please. i don't know this this issue also had some weird art stuff now that we're talking about him like the panel layouts were just like there were some kind of amateur mistakes with that like the kind of thing where you have two he- like a two head frame where you have two people talking to each other like faces and then for the next one you just randomly have them on the wrong sides like one yeah. character's on the left and, the- and then they're flipped even though they weren't supposed to move i'm like this is like storyboarding 101 that got ma- mixed up so i don't know i'm getting a little weary but the covers are still gorgeous and i'm still gonna pull it uh, yeah. I also read Animosity number three, which is awesome as always. The Skeptics number one, which was pretty disappointing, and I'm not going to continue. And Trees volume one, my heart. Oh my god, I love this so much, and then it broke me. Uh, but we're talking about this in two weeks, so stay tuned for that's uh, going to be December seventh to talk about this one. It's our Goodreads Book of the Month Club read. Yeah, it's exciting. Yep. How about you, Mike? Yeah, uh, I was traveling this week, this past week for work, so I didn't have a 
I really didn't have a chance to read comics until my red eye flight back home. So I sat down, I borrowed a bunch of Death Note volumes, so I've just been reading manga. But other than that, <laughs> I did have a chance to, I did bring Chu Volume 11 and Giant Days Volume 3 with me on my trip because I had those and I, they were just in my backpack. And so one night I sat down and just read both of those. Chu is is making my mind hurt. I need to go back and reread this whole book. When Volume 12 comes out, I have to reread the entire book. That's just what's going to happen. Giant Days is beautiful and wonderful, and you should read it. I'm just going to say that. Nailbiter number 26, I also read this uh, this past week, and I, I thought this was going to be like a special weird Christmas issue, but it actually had plot elements in it, and the ending was fantastic. I, I Without spoiling anything, like the our you know our, our main villain bad guy the nail biter you know he has this moment of of just pure fantastic storyline like almost too, almost too meta for the comic moment so I, I won't say anything more than that but it's really really good this book is constantly surprising me and making me more interested in the series even though they've been dragging out this whole what is behind all of the buckaroo butchers stuff um, if you haven't started this book go buy volume one it's ten dollars it's great uh, I read Killer Be Killed number four. This book continues to surprise me as well in ways that I'm not really sure where it's going, and I don't feel comfortable with that with a Brubaker book. So I'm I'm sticking around <laughs> to to like ease my own sanity because if I stop the book, I know I'd go crazy wanting to figure out what's going on. So still reading this book. The art's brilliant. We haven't seen much of the. I think we're four issues in. I'm going to spoil this a little bit, but we haven't seen much of the demon. In this mm. book, since the second issue, I think. So I'm really curious as to what's going on. This is more of a character story that I'm okay with because the demon is on the surface of everything. Oh, this book is really good. I also read Mother Panic number one. Yay. I didn't get it. I didn't what? really get it. I don't know if I'm going to continue reading it. Oh, boy. I, I, I will just, I know I saw, you know, last week's episode, you guys were all ranting about it and saying how great it was. I don't know if I feel the same way. I maybe I'll try number two, but I don't. I wasn't really hooked into number one. There was way too much confusion in the story and what was happening in general. So I'm gonna leave it there. But I, the big thing that I really liked, and I won't go into any spoilers because Nick hasn't read number two, but it was Reborn number two. Mark Miller has surprised me yet again with this issue in telling a straightforward fantasy-ish story uh and i really am enjoying it i'm i i'm i can't believe that i'm saying this about a mark miller book at this point i'm really enjoying just how straightforward and almost simple that it is and i really appreciate that about this book mm-hmm. so uh so it's, it's, it was a good week for comics i did manage to float to you know burn through a bunch of these so i i was happy to be able to read but let's move on let's talk about comics that are coming out this upcoming week Comic books are released on 11-23-2016. That's November 23rd, 2016. What are you two excited for? I'm going to kick this over to Kate. This week is the conclusion of Death of X, the miniseries with the X-Men. So this is issue number four um, by Jeff Lemire and Charles Soule. And I am looking forward to it because, obviously, conclusions, we have our big bang. Like I said, Magneto and crew has shown up at the end of issue three. And so now we have our, 
gang of Inhumans that are trying to do their Inhuman thing and our gang of good guy X-Men, which are trying to protect X-Men, but also work with the Inhumans because they're like, oh man, we've talked about this and you guys aren't actually horrible and don't want to kill us. And then you have now your gang of X-Men. They're like, nah, we're not going to work together. We're just going to fight. Because why talk about our problems when we can just, you know, punch you? Or so use our powers on all you. the time. The X Men sure get into a whole lot of fucking fights. <laughs> it's so true. It's very so, true. So now we'll see. I'm assuming there's going to be a big confusing fight, and then this will resolve somehow and feed into future Inhuman and X Men stuff, right? Um, I think. I, I think, think. Correct me if I'm wrong here, Mike. I think this. This book is is really confusing because the end has to be the death of Cyclops, I think. Right, which then leads into the series that already happened, the Extraordinary yeah. X-Men. So this is like a past uh, event, basically. Yeah, and this, this book was uh, was going to be my pick, but I'm really not sure what's going to happen. Like, I'm sh- I'm certain that Charles Soule and Jeff Lemire will, will deliver something interesting but I don't know if it's going to be satisfying. I'm really yeah. concerned that it's not going to be a satisfying ending uh, because tensions are are super high right now, and Black Bolt is going to show up this issue, and I'm really scared about that. He is one of the scariest, most powerful Inhumans out there, and him showing up means serious business because the threat of his power is so wide and vast that there's no way anyone could pretty much can stop it. I mean, there have been times where people have stopped it in the past, but with the X-Men, I'm not so certain. So I'll just that, that's all I could say. I'm really, really <laughs> okay. concerned. What about you, Nick? What are you excited for this week? Well, it's not going to be the end of the X-Men. That's not uh, what I'm too <laughs> worried about. Um, though life finds a way. Um, as Jeff Goldblum <laughs> so eloquently put it to uh, um, Alan and uh, uh, Ellie or whatever her name was. Anyway, go see Jurassic Park. It's a great movie. It only came out like 23 years ago. Um, <laughs> so uh, if you're not busy watching that movie now, uh, as per my recommendation, uh, I would recommend Bloodshot USA number two. It's written by Jeff Lemire. It's drawn by... Uh, Doug, uh, my pencils come from another universe, Brathwaite, and it's uh, <laughs> colored by Brian Reber. Issue number one was freaking insane. Uh, if you don't remember, it was Project Rising Spirit. They're the nasty, nasty secret government dudes that made Bloodshot in the first place. Um, they said, hey, remember when we accidentally um, had those nanites get loose after the Geomancer took them out of Bloodshot, and then they started jumping into other people, and then those people started killing people, and then Bloodshot had to kill those people. How about we <laughs> weaponize that nanite virus, and we drop it into the middle of New York City, and we'll have it infect the entire city, and then when the government goes, oh no, how are we? Go- what are we going to do to fix this? We'll just turn all the nanites off like a remote switch, and we'll get some pretty nice, uh, sweet political military uh, leverage out of that. So, um, including the fact that they said that they were probably going to pull this all off, if I remember exactly, uh, with the assistance of Donald Trump. So, Oh, boy. Um, yeah, that's the thing. Anyway, uh, issue one was was beautiful. It was action packed. Uh, there was all sorts of um, you know bits of New York in it, and of course, Valiant is based out of New York, so um, they're very accustomed to putting their books in New York City itself proper. Um, if you remember, was it was it Dead Drop? Um, yeah, yeah. 
Dead Drop was all about New York City, and it had maps and all the issues, and you could track, you know, all the paths of all the characters, and so that was great. Um, this issue is just going to be action-packed, it's going to be beautiful, and the way that Jeff Lemire ended the first issue was about as cliffhangery and fantastic, and pretty showed, pretty much showed you the devastating potency of this virus, um, as far as it could be, so very, very excited for that, uh, Three more issues to go, and then uh, I, I guess maybe we're back to Bloodshot Reborn. I don't know where the title's going to go after that. Interesting. So, side note: I my shop just did for their local comic book, local comic shop day. Excuse me, um, a big sale on back issues and pulled out like everything. And apparently, they had gone all in on that uh, book of death event that you talked about for many shows in a row, Nick. And oh, had sure. like a ton of extra issues of all that. Yeah, a lot of shops kind of overordered on that, um, which is not to say that it didn't sell amazingly well. If I remember right, they said that it was the biggest, it was the best selling crossover event since Dynamite did Masks, which was like Green Hornet and mm-hmm. the Shadow and all of those characters combined. They said it was the best selling independent event since that. Um, but I think some shops still um, went a little uh, overboard. Yep. I, I, I remember seeing those at Midtown and it was always sold out. Like they, if I remember I was trying to buy covers for you, Nick, and it was really hard to find yeah. them because they, they were constantly selling, which is really cool to see that Valiant is like made, managed to do a crossover event and it worked out well for them because I, I'm always concerned for these smaller publishers like Dynamite and, right. and IDW you think this could and like stuff. Them. Yeah. yeah, it could be really dangerous for them, I think, trying to bank on this thing and have it just flop. But I think they didn't. They had enough hype, and I think that their story's built to that well enough. Um, or they mostly they just hyped it up, hyped it up enough, and they had built out characters that were popular enough to make it sell well. So that's that's really cool. Yeah, it was super funny, and I think you probably remember me lamenting this at the time, but I kept saying, like, this is not even a really good place to start reading Valiant in the first place. <laughs> yeah, what are these yeah. people thinking? This is not a good jumping on point. Yeah, yeah. But as as everyone knows, um, people really listen to me um, as a, a voice of warning. So You're a tastemaker, man. That's yeah, why. I'm, I'm a tastemaker. <laughs> Um, Well, for me this week, I was going to pick Death of X, but I'm kind of feeling so-so on it, as I said. So instead, I'm going with Karnak number six, another Marvel book, uh, written by Warren Ellis with art by Gerardo Zafino. And this book has been really interesting because it's not really so much about Karnak, the character, so much as it's about a lot of questions. Or I guess it's about the character, and it's not about him trying to solve this mystery in the story. It's instead him discovering the like flaws in himself and he him thinking you know before that he was like the perfect being he could find the the flaw in everything and everyone and the question at the end of issue five is what is your flaw what is the meaning of your life if you think you're so high and mighty what's actually the point of you which kind of breaks Karnak's brain and now we're going to see the fallout of that in issue number six and I am so excited. Ellis is destroying on this book. He's he's doing a fantastic job. And Zafino's art is top-notch. I wouldn't want another artist on it. I mean, the original artist for this series was fantastic, but I think Zafino has jumped in and done a, like, a great job of 
of delivering the weirdness and like the mind-breaking um, grimaces that Carnet <laughs> constantly has on his face. And there are varying levels of grimaces that this character takes on. And Zafino has nailed all of them. So I'm, I'm really digging this book. It's, a, it's an offshoot, not related to anything in humans book. And I, I would I would recommend it to anybody who just wants a kind of a one-off story about a character that's in the Marvel Universe, is known in the Marvel Universe, but this book has nothing to do with anything else in the Marvel Universe, save Agent Coulson being a primary character in the story. Like his his uh, S.H.I.E.L.D. liaison is is uh, Agent Coulson from, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. and from the Marvel movies. So that's that's kind of a funny little quip in the book but uh there are a few funny little quips in the book about that but otherwise it's a a great book if if you're looking for something from marvel that's that's not attached so did did this book take a break i honestly feel like this book's been around way too long to only be on issue six yeah so there was a there have been some release issues with this book i don't know if it's been the writing lately but i know between issues one and two or it was two and three the original artist had some major family problems that came up and rather than immediately replacing the artist um they decided no we have to stick with this guy and so they waited and they waited and they waited and then it just turned out that he wasn't going to be able to come back onto the book so they kept going and since then there have been some slight delays i think partially on ellis's part and partially on Zafino's sure. part. So this book has had like a very mixed release schedule, which is always unfortunate. Um, and on a book that is very, very good, you know, these these things tend to happen where a book has so much hype, and I think it's or a book is so well produced that like any delays cause significant loss. But there are people like me who are severely dedicated to it and championing these books all over. And people think like you, Nick. Oh, I can't believe that this book is still going on. I thought it ended, or I can't believe it's on number six. So there's, I mean, it's it's tough, and I don't know what else to say about it other than that, than, other than rambling in a circle. So uh, read this <laughs> book, please. I really love it, and you should love it too. <laughs> For our topic this week, this is something that I think Kate and I have had many conversations about, and I... I know I've complained to this to Nick at least a handful of times, um, sent him screenshots of things that kind of annoy me, but the topic itself is the inclusion of cultural references in comic books, specifically like media and other medias, um, talking about things like Game of Thrones or making a reference to something that's very popular at the time and may not be popular in six months, and I have a lot of complaints about this because it's mostly an annoyance to me and I don't really... I can't really think of any time where I've genuinely enjoyed it, and it hasn't taken me out of the comic books. So I want to throw this to you two, Kate and Nick, to see what you think about you know, the inclusion of music, the inclusion of societal or cultural references in a comic book to drive either a part of the story or to just be like a one-off joke. So I, you know, either of you could start. I don't really know what to say. All I have is complaints, <laughs> and I want to cry about this. So. <laughs> Well, okay. So first of all, I think there's a big difference between things getting thrown in as like a, aha, I got that reference type joke versus cultural references in terms of this is a a topic we're trying to make, do commentary on. So like the entire Vote Loki miniseries was a commentary on the media's treatment and interaction with Trump and how, how his whole system of interacting with it and rather controlling it works. 
And so I think that's really different than something like Squirrel Girl, where she's just dropping a reference to BuzzFeed or the latest, you know, like you were saying, Game of Thrones or something like that um, for a aha joke. And to me, I guess it doesn't, like you were saying, it always pulls you out. And for me, it doesn't always, it does when it's too trendy for me is when it feels forced or contrived. I don't mind it if it's a coherent part of the story, you know what I mean? Like Faith working at essentially BuzzFeed works because she's supposed to be in today's day and age and then the commentary on that is kind of fun. Like, yeah, listicles are pretty stupid. Why do we do this? So it's not necessarily a particular type or number of references for me. I guess it's not necessarily a a sense of humor, but it's more of a reference to these sorts of things. And yeah, I, I do have some issues, especially with this referential stuff, because basically that's more or less Family Guy, which is, um, hey, have you have you seen this movie? Um, have you read this book? Have you watched this TV show? Uh, well, then you'll get this reference, and you'll say that uh, I'm like you, and you're like me, and we'll bond, and I want to be your friend, and I don't want any of that. <laughs> so... <laughs> Nick hates you know, friendship. See, you, you and I share the same interests. And for me, being me, it's like, well, if two of us like the same thing, then one of us has to stop liking it because that's that's <laughs> I, how I operate. Hold on now. Um, hold yeah, on. Yeah, you hold love on, Archer and Armstrong. And there are so many cultural like quips in that, like jokes about cons and fan fandom and stuff like that. I will, I will get there okay. because I have thought about this. Because pretty much any argument I have usually has a subsection called apologetics for valiant books. <laughs> but, um, of course, of course. See, this is why I can never read valiant books. Because as soon as I did, Nick would just say, well, those are all bullshit. And he'd move on to another publisher. So I'm doing you a favor, Nick. I'm letting <laughs> you read your books. Is where it's at. And when yeah. you start liking Black Mask, I'm going to switch on over to like Titan. <laughs> oh, good. Uh, You'll never find me there. <laughs> um, <laughs> totally off the grid. Hope you like Doctor Who, because I haven't seen, even seen the show, but I'll go there if you start messing with my stuff. I won't even like it. I won't even start watching the show. I'll just read the comics. Oh, boy. It'll actually be a lot like when I started reading the Aliens comics. Um, but I think the difference is, if you look at something like the Simpsons comic or Bob's Burgers or Rick and Morty, I think there's a temptation to look at those and say, look at look at these ones. They're doing referential humor. Um, they're doing situational topical humor. But I let those comics off the hook because really all they're doing is just operating like their show operates. Right. And I agree. That's that's fine. Um, you're doing what um, you're basically fulfilling what people who look at the title of your book and say, I watch that show expect of you. That's fine. That's totally OK. I think probably the most effective books, though, that are trying to do this aren't primarily thought of as humor books outside of the franchised ones. Um, it has to be a book that already has a, a narrative focus or a sort of a subgenre on top of humor or topical stuff. It needs to be a book that, for example, Archer and Armstrong for me is an action-adventure book that has topical humor elements. And how are these topical humor elements injected? Well, it's sort of just through a very um, organic uh, character interaction between 
Archer, who has pretty much seen none of what the world has to offer in any capacity, and his parents have told him that the uh, quote-unquote parents, whoops, I guess that's a spoiler. Whoa, um, Nick, whoa, slow it yes, down. This is four shit. years old. Stop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, his quote-unquote parents tell him, you know, the material world is evil, New York City is evil, uh, television is evil, and so juxtaposing that with someone who has quite literally seen all that history has to offer creates these really funny situations where it's like, well, you don't know what uh, the Simpsons, you don't know what that program is. You know, let me explain it to you. And, and so it's very organic and it doesn't feel forced and it doesn't feel like the writer is saying, I'm a funny person. At least I think I'm a funny person. I think I can convince my editor I'm a funny person. And then you can tell me <laughs> that I'm not a funny person. Right. Um, sure. Like if you want to, prove that you're a funny writer um don't make that the absolute focal point of your book because unless you are absolutely amazing at knocking it out of the park all of the time i sat down to read a comic book i did not sit down to read a joke book but some people totally do buy those from like when i buy squirrel girl or uh mockingbird hashtag rest in peace we miss you um (laughs) that is exactly why i picked those books up they were the light refreshing funny like i did not expect them to be serious i expected lots of referential humor and i got it and i think both of those work at it well squirrel girl is kind of hit or miss with how sometimes it's not as organic as you'd like but mockingbird i thought was flawlessly integrated with all that stuff i mean it yeah. I, um, go ahead, Mike. Like, go ahead. Real, say the it's things. It's a real line to walk. This is America, yeah. Mike. You're allowed to be wrong, so go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> Mockingbird. More. Mockingbird. I think did it a little bit too hard in some cases. I think early in the in the in the comic, uh, some of the like references and stuff were pretty on the nose, but it was okay. It was willing to pass. I was. I, I gave it a pass, if only because. The rest of the actual story was so compelling that, like, you kind of roll with those punches. Sure, it's a little annoying, but that's not going to destroy the oh, book okay. for me. And and I guess, like, what I'm getting annoying at here about my enjoyable. annoyance, <laughs> right? Well, what I'm getting at here is that the, there is a there is something to be said about something that's annoying you about a book doesn't necessarily mean you're going to drop the book. Like, I just because there are these types of jokes in a comic doesn't mean I'm going to say, well, they made a Game of Thrones reference. What's the point? You know, it's nothing <laughs> like that. I I just kind of am like this this scene could have been delivered just as well without that joke. And it's it's one of those things where if you're trying to force comedy into a book like that or you think you're so clever that you can throw it in there as a writer, it it, it can be off-putting to some to some readers and and maybe that's just me. Maybe well, I yeah, have just you, you weren't a different in it for expectation. being a comedy book. Yeah. But if for someone like me that's going in it because it's a comedy book, then yeah, if those were missing, I probably wouldn't have continued picking it up because I was sure. in it for the like the jokes, I guess. So, sure. and I like the story with it, but so I guess it have definitely is like, well, what works for one person doesn't work for another. Um, yeah, and, but again, it's not like throwing me off the book so much that I don't want to read it. It's just in some cases I felt like it was a little too on the nose. And I feel that way with Squirrel Girl, which is why I don't read that book, because I feel like it's all too on the nose. And that's 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 just me. You know, I think that Squirrel Girl is probably a great book for the people like that read it. <laughs> Which sounds like a really fucking patronizing well, way to say, like, no, well, that's good enough you for you. You're not someone who likes to read, essentially, joke books. Like, that's totally true. At, poking fun at society. I, that, I totally agree. However, I do enjoy joke books like Next Wave Agents of Hate, not only because it's a Warren Ellis book, 
I read that book before I was super into Warren Ellis, so you know what? Back off, everyone. But because that book poked fun at all of the stupidity of comic books, and I mm-hmm. love that. Oh, uh, like so One I guess Punch my, Man is the same way. Right. I like One Punch Man, despite its weird whatever problems that it has. But right. yeah, One Punch Man, hilarious, because it punches at, or pokes at the stupidity of manga. Mm-hmm. That's fantastic. Um, so like maybe my type of humor is a very specialized niche humor, and like <laughs> if you don't get it right, then I hate you. <laughs> I well, don't know. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, there's definitely stuff, like, saying that I enjoy these jokey books, there's definitely some that I don't, that are attempting it and don't work for me. Like, sometimes Squirrel Girl is, like, oh, just, you're, when you feel, it feels like you're trying really hard, that's when it's not working. Um, Faith can sometimes tip over the edge into this for me as well. And then always Deadpool. Deadpool just needs to be stopped. Well, that's that's a whole other thing, I think. But, like, I am also of the mind that, I, I mean, I should say, I also really enjoy Jughead. Like, that book is oh, 100% yeah. jokes and, and goofy references, especially the early um, part of that run with Chip Zdarsky. It was nonstop references, but I didn't go into Jughead thinking, this is going to be a compelling story. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I was, exactly. I was about to read a comic book about a guy who's in love with hamburgers. Like, what else do you expect? Like, the bar is set very, very low in terms of genuine story and character development, so I'm not, I wasn't too worried about it. But with something like Mockingbird or even something like Squirrel girl i expect my super heroics to be or superhero books to be a superhero book and not just like goofing around you know having fun and making jokes all the time um or maybe i'm just expecting different things out of comics maybe i shouldn't expect that out of something like mockingbird or or squirrel girl i mean deadpool i never go into it thinking that so you see squirrel girl for me is very much like i read it the same way that i read one punch man where she's more of a, a a parody of the marvel universe like that she's can defeat Thanos and this and that like any when they're like she's part squirrel and part girl and has all the powers of the squirrel I'm like okay this is going to be ridiculous because it is ridiculous you know what I mean so I didn't interpret that as a normal like this is Black Widow and she's awesome I'm like she better be awesome you better bring it yeah if you if you threw (laughs) jokes like that into Black Widow I would probably oh but there is really confused Mike Mike so the latest, like, Black, this is one that I was going to bring up because Black Widow totally does referential humor, but not in a, they like, it's not humor, it's just references. And so that's a whole different type of this, like, it's trendy, like, in the last issue, um, which is number seven, but also number one, because Marvel likes to confuse us, um, but the, she, like, recruits this guy and he makes all these Star Wars references, um about being a jedi because he's like a mind controller person and he's like oh yeah these aren't the droids you're looking for you know but it's not i don't know it's still so it's still just references i'm like okay sure it works i haven't read that yet okay maybe i'm gonna hate black widow after this thanks maybe maybe it's over for you (laughs) what might what might make it more over for you is it's kind of like i thought she was supposed to be smart (laughs) like oh no yeah stop kate you're ruining stop i don't let me experience this badness on my own leave me okay leave me out of this uh uh, but yeah so nick i have to point this out because i'm looking at our notes right now and you have this whole thing about a word <laughs> that you made up. So please just go into that. I, no segue. I would like you just to talk about this right now. Sure. Well, as many of you know, uh, Nick White Enterprises Incorporated currently ho- uh, owns the trademark to uh, Valiant Verse. Yes, um, yes. Valiant's lawyers have not yet contacted me about the legality of this, but the few uh, websites I have inquired 
Um, uh, that would basically be Google have told me that my uh, claims to this word are dubious. Um, <laughs> At best. Dubious was put in quotes when yeah. they sent that to me. So just yeah. put it in quotes in your mind. Um, but that's not going to stop me. I mean. Can't uh, stop the rock. You know, the truth is marching on, as yeah. they say. Uh, which might get me in trouble. Anyway, uh, I also uh, have laid claim uh, circa 2016 to the word of uh, fandering, which is fanboy pandering, uh, which I have clearly defined as when a, at least in terms of comics, let's put it in that context, it's when a book tries a little too hard to be like, hey, I'm a geek, and uh, you're a geek, and you like geek things, right? Um, well then let, let me, let me put down some keywords and some, uh, things that I know you'll get excited about. So, um, Walking Dead, uh, BuzzFeed, Ironic Distance, um, Doctor Who, Doctor Who, uh, Whovians, (laughs) uh, Time Lords, pictures of David Tennant, more pictures of David Tennant, more pictures of David Tennant. Some reference to Um, the TARDIS always. Hold on. Hold on. (laughs) You're actually seeing pictures of David Tennant in your comic books? Is that what you're saying? Um, what are David you Tennant, reading? That's not, it should be happening. <laughs> He's it's, like, it's it ridiculous. I read all these Doctor Who comics and they keep yeah. drawing the Doctor. It's the worst. Look, whether or not some of us paste pictures into our comics is, is none of your business. <laughs> really. Oh, my God. <laughs> so if you don't know who David Tennant is, please go look him up. He's a very beautiful British man who starred in he's, Doctor Who. He's Scottish. He's Scot- Scottish. Well, okay. He's from England. Whatever. I don't know, Don't man. say they're the same they're thing. Not, we are really going to enter are, into a real It's the place. same island. I don't know. excuse me excuse me i'm sorry i'm sorry that was that was inappropriate he's scottish that being said this fandering thing how is this different than pandering in general like is there i i i can't seem to figure out what the difference is it's a very specific form of pandering in my mind and it exists because this specific form of pandering seems to be so prevalent these days um do you have examples uh, I guess for me, it's like um, even when in the little snippets of Faith that I I have read, I haven't read the whole book, but um, I get that she um, is someone who is very much involved in the geek subculture, and that's made pretty clear early on, and it doesn't need to be hammered home again and again and again and again, but then they keep dropping, like, Firefly left and right, left and right, and I get that Firefly is, like, this thing presented to us the from the gods on high. And, um, like Firefly is the ultimate keyword. If you want someone to very quickly, easily like take you seriously and be like, oh man, you're, you're legit, which I guess that brings up the whole fake nerd sub culture issue. uh, um, Okay. Okay. Continue. I I have some problems, but like, sure. Like, you know, I, I, I understand I'm picking up what you're putting down. You don't need to hammer it into my skull anymore that like you know I'm a geek and you're like targeting me as a subculture for economic exploitation. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's that But how is it economic exploitation? I'm I'm you're losing me here. That you that's well, you're thinking people trying pick to up win this someone book over, more often because you know, of this. Buy this book more or continue buying this book or, okay, or but buy Nick, these products Nick, or whatever because we slapped a Batman logo on it or, or whatever. Okay, you know? but listen, if your book is all about <laughs> murder and hyperviolence because you know the people who you're targeting the p- type of reader that likes murder and hyperviolence, then how is that not pandering too? That's literally all comics do is write the stuff that the readers want and keep writing it. You know what I mean? Like they're telling a story in a way that comes to a certain audience. Those books get canceled, but <sighs> yeah, all books get canceled. But you get what I'm saying. How is this any different? It's just a different genre of comic. Hmm. Hmm. Exactly. It is. 
That's why it has a term. <laughs> so, but no, no. So, why is that fandering and other types of stuff in comics isn't? How is it any like you know what I mean? I, I get that it's not the type that either of you want or buy, but how does that make it not good? You know what I mean? Look, if you don't, want I could explain to you why I hate <laughs> hyperviolent comics, but. That's. I also know that there's a huge readership for them, and that those writers and artists are giving their readers and audience exactly what they want. You know what I mean? So it's like. Well, you know what, Kate? I haven't come up with a good term for targeting readers who like hyperviolence, <laughs> other than, like I said, Mark Miller has like a murder boner. He totally sure. does. <laughs> That's maybe a little bit too explicit to market. Okay. So, so to that point, though, Kate, I think you, I think you do bring up a good point here that a lot of comic books do you know, pander to their audiences. And I think that's that's part of the business of creating media, right? right? But at the but same isn't time... the question then, I guess, don't we want comics, I mean, maybe equal parts, but we want comics to challenge us as well as well, basically pander yes, to us. But also, this this criticism, the too, too trendy, this and that, I don't like it, gets thrown around a lot, specifically towards mm-hmm. books that were written for, with teen girls as an audience. And it's like, oh, I as an adult man am not finding this fun and how you know, this is stupid and blah, blah, blah. So this is awful. Oh, sure. And this is what's wrong with comics. You're like, hold on. This is for an entirely different audience. And it's right. pretty awful to be like, well, what you're what you like and what you find entertaining is trash and shouldn't exist. You're like, no, I don't, I don't think it's anything like that. You, I think you, you can say it's not for me. And really, I yeah. think that's honestly, it's an argument we've had before. It's just a. Uh, if it's not for you, it's not for you. I think part of what you're getting to is that when it's really forced, it can become lazy writing in that yeah, I'm going to make you taking. like this character because they're a fan of the same thing you are. Yeah. I, I wonder, though. Yeah. So I think, Kate, you hit the nail right on the head there is there is a difference between, I guess, like pandering is is kind of OK. We have to be like accepted. It. it is a part of of comic books. But I think that at the same time, there are these things that are like lazy writing tropes. It's like, hey, did you get it? Hey, did you get it? Hey, did yep. you get it? Bring, you know, circling back to what Nick was talking about earlier, when you're looking at shows like Family Guy that say, "Hey, have you got this reference? Because did you you watch that movie, right? Like, what if you had never seen Firefly? Eventually, Firefly is no longer going to be relevant. I'm sorry, oh, don't I, ever I hate say to that. say that. Stop. But the <laughs> new, the next generation of geeks or next generation of comic book readers may not oh. even know what Firefly is. Yeah, but we may don't not need understand. To make- Nathan Fillion showing up on a show and everyone going, whoa, it's like he's done other things at this point. So it's it's kind of tough to think like if some just someone's dropping a reference to something in the middle of a comic book going, hey, did you get that? You're like, no, I didn't. And that's actually off putting to me. Um, and I'm but not trying also, to point out point just at faith about this either. I, I just want to be clear. Oh, sure. I'm talking about yeah. in general, like even Jughead when he's when they're making Game of Thrones references, that book is no longer going to be relevant in ten or fifteen years. And I think that's what the big circle or the thing we're trying to circle around to here is that when you're throwing these types of references into a book, it starts to date the book. And that's not to say mm-hmm. that comic books haven't always done this because they totally have. You should read mm-hmm. old Wonder Woman books because they are full of them. But at the and I only say that because I just recently read a bunch of old Wonder Woman books, and I was like, "Wow, who are all these actors they're talking about?" But that like dates a book and kind of like I don't know to me like ruins it a little bit in such a in a sense that like in twenty years I can't give this book to somebody and recommend this book, and they're gonna lose a piece of the the comedy. They're gonna lose a piece of the story if it becomes a major 
chunk of the story the cultural references themselves oh but mike mm -hmm. not all books are written for the ages and in fact almost none of them are written for the ages how many books written 50 years ago are still being read you know what i mean like and and that's not just true for comics that's for anything very few things end up for the ages quote unquote i will throw out there that game of thrones and firefly might be for the ages we don't know they're they could be classics that's like a tale of two cities right it's gonna stick around sure probably not but the point is (laughs) that especially these trendy topical ones that are just fun like for the moment kind of things i don't think the fact that they're gonna suck in 20 years matters because they're not planning on being they're not trying to make a classic for the ages you know i guess you could throw that argument around for things that do seem like they're trying to be really serious and like we're trying to make a classic you know graphic novel that's going to be around for ever and ever but mostly people aren't and especially these series like you know what i mean i would say that that a book like Mockingbird, though, would work be, is, is like a book that I could give someone in 10 years because it's not so full of these types of references that the value of the comic itself would be lost, right? Like the, the primary focus of arc two in that book is all about, you know, what happened in Civil War two. So it's like you may right. need to read Civil War two, but that's just another comic book, right? The focus of arc one is mo- is primarily about Bobby and like there may be like snide jokes in the side but it's not to the point where it's distracting in the book she runs into other characters in the Marvel Universe that are also relevant that have comics in that same time period that you could say oh you don't know who Howard the Duck is oh you don't know who Miles Morales is you should go read those books right you know to, to, to add to the value of this comic book but whereas something like I, I would like Archer and Armstrong unfortunately I think will fall to this where you lose a lot of it you lose a lot of the like story elements because Archer being so weirded out by this world is going to be so I don't know it's not going to be it's going to be foreign to you as, as 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 it is foreign to him and that to me I think sucks that's that's where I'm, I'm trying to get but at. there's so many th- like the wicked and divine which is totally based on you know their avatars of real pop figures right now and that will make so little sense in 20 years but i don't think that i guess when i'm buying something month to month i'm expecting to be relevant right now and i don't think i mean that's true for books i buy too i don't think most of them are going to turn into you know classics that i pass down to my grandchildren right right yeah yeah and you know what to that point i can totally agree but we didn't even talk about music and comics, and I won't go there. Oh, I will no, just do it, screaming. because we agree on this one. <laughs> it just needs to be stopped. Like, editors around the world, just shut it down. Well, you brought up Wicked and Divine, and I I, I was almost going to talk about their problems in uh, Phonogram, where their music references mm-hmm. that I just don't get because I don't know the song and, like, characters quoting lyrics. That, like, bothers me. But then in in other books, not just Kieran Gillen books, because I, I realize I'm a dickhead and I, I harp on him a lot, and I don't mean to because he's a fantastic writer, and I buy all of his books, so you'd think <laughs> I'd stop complaining about him eventually. But, uh, no, like, books in general where they have music, even if it's a song that I know, I'm like, what is happening? I, no, it I can't doesn't work read, for me either. I can't read a book like that. It, and that, that takes me out of the book in such a way, even if the, the song's trying to convey a message and it's trying to do something like metaphorically or whatever mm-hmm. in the story, I just get lost. And like, I, this was my biggest problem reading Hip Hop Family Tree was that there were all these songs that were happening and like, like Ed Pisker, he's taking the actual lyrics and he's putting them in for real songs and I don't know any of these songs. So what worked really well was for, for me was to just actually pull up the song on YouTube as I was reading the book 
<laughs> and it made it a little bit clearer. But the, the, the music in the story of that book wasn't trying to tell a story. It was just trying to say, here are the types of lyrics they were writing. When these guys were doing battle raps back in the late 70s, early 80s, this is what it was like. These are the types of phrases that they use. These are the types of rhymes that they use. And it worked because it wasn't trying to convey a, a metaphor or get you to sing along or something. Right. It was just saying, this is the actual documentary of the story. But in other comic books, I'm lost. I just get totally blown away, especially in big two books where I don't know if they're actually quoting a real song or yeah, if it's made up for the too. time. Ugh, I get lost. <laughs> Nerd alert, my radio stays on NPR, so any topical musical <laughs> references go so far out of my head, over my head. So Sorry, I, I have a strong soapbox for that. I just, I don't get it. Yeah, I, especially, yeah. Squirrel Girl likes to sing in her comics. I'm just, no, mm-mm, nope. I assume that she only sings this the Spider-Man theme, but yeah, the Squirrel Girl, which is awesome. <laughs> like, yeah, I think she did it that in the in the crossover episode yeah. issue where she showed up in All New Wolverine, which still love that issue to this day. I have never been so happy about a character I didn't care for showing up in a book. <laughs> it was in my entire done. life. Like, oh, talk about adding relevancy for a character showing up. She like she leaves. Oh, I, the Wolverine thing. I can't get over it. Okay. Um, <laughs> back to this topic, though. <laughs> so how do we... So, you know, we're thinking about these cultural references and stuff. Does this also include meta-references in books where they're, like, aware that this is a comic book or they make subtle jabs at the comic book medium um, out of the blue? Because I sometimes feel like it's the same way where you kind of get pulled out of the comic if it's not done um, elegantly, you know? Yeah. Yeah, so I don't know so if what either of you feel the same like, way. We like it when the writer does it well. Otherwise, it's garbage. <laughs> so this feels like one yeah. of those things that's like a tightrope to walk, just like other topics we've talked about, where it's like, it's, it's whew, if you do it well, it's awesome. But otherwise, we're coming for you. Um, yeah. I, yeah, I think definitely if it's a series that you're not used to it being kind of meta, then yeah, that pulls you right out. But some series are kind of intended, written to be that way, you know what I mean? So yeah. the, the other thing that really gets me, and this is, I, I understand how marketing works and they, they want you to buy more, but when Marvel, but I don't know how often DC books do this because I don't read enough of them, but Marvel loves to make references to other series they're doing and then like a little, like really aggressive editor Editor's note notes. saying, yeah. uh, see what happened in, you know, Spider Superman issue, or not Superman, obviously, we're talking about Marvel. Oh my God, I'm so fake. Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, a, you know, issue, check out issue tw- 27 out. of Captain Marvel. And I'm like, but I, you're, that just pulls me right out. It annoys me so much. And yeah, if I wanted to be reading that book, I'd be reading that book. So I don't know if I've ever actually gone and read an issue because Never of an editor's once. note. Never once. Even, even, I don't think, yeah, I, unless, unless I'm already reading all the books in the series, like right, X-Men books. Right, you've already read like, it at that point. So yeah, it's, yeah. it doesn't, like, I, listen, listeners, if you have ever once gone and checked out a book because of an editor's note, we want to know. We want to know if this yeah, is please, literally ever in the universe happened. I, yes, please let us know. Write it right into our email. That's ircb at destroythesive.org or send us a message on Twitter at ircb podcast. I'm not even joking. I would actually really love to do a special where we had enough feedback like that and talk about people's comments on when that actually happened because mm-hmm. I to this to this day I cannot think of a book where I've actually done that. Right, and they have do you so ever, many you ever of them. Have you done that, Nick? Um, uh maybe like once or twice, but 
me being me, I'm hyper-informed to a point that it's I already know what I'm supposed to be reading and not supposed to be yeah, reading. Yeah, because Valiant does a fair <laughs> yeah. number of these, too. They always have a good checklist in advance as well, so you know right. what you're supposed to be reading. Um, they keep us um, sheep in line. <laughs> and... Uh, <laughs> I mean, on the flip side, there have been books where I'm kind of on the uh, on the fence of whether or not I want to pick a book up, and then I just flip to page two, and it's like, read issue eight of this. I'm like, fuck you, buddy, and I put it back. <laughs> yeah. So I've, I've done that for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. The meta thing for me is like, obviously, I think exploring the meta nature of things is sort of trendy now. It's Very. something I've noticed in a lot of things, um, whereas... I mean, really, in a lot of ways, meta is just a deconstruction or a looking at how things work or um, kind of poking fun at it. And in the past, you maybe had something like Watchmen, where it's like, I'm going to break down how superheroes work and sort of show you that. Whereas meta now is like, isn't it weird that I'm doing this? Or isn't it weird that the the bad guy acts like this? And um, again, like Kate said, uh, it can be done well, it can be done poorly. And for some books, it can become a huge freaking crutch. And you don't have to be, I don't know, something like Deadpool is so overtly meta and it knows that it's a leg that it stands up on that I guess if you really love it, great. But no differently than the topical references, no differently than the cultural references. Um, You have to strike a balance at least for me, like if your book is horror with comedic elements, that's great. If your book is action adventure and it has uh, jokes in it, that's fine. If you're um, a superhero book that likes to poke fun at having stupid costumes or needing catchphrases or um, in in Quantum and Woody, uh, Woody is always sort of hampering all of the the crimes that they're supposed to be stopping by, you know, stopping and trying to get someone to take a picture of him preventing the crime because, you know, as he says, Pixar, it didn't happen. So, um, <laughs> damn it. Th- there's a balance that has to be struck there. Yeah. Well, <laughs> they even quantum and Woody, uh, James Asmus, who, um, Jesus, Mike, did he write Magneto or, or, um, he wrote or Gambit. Cyclops? He wrote Gambit. Remember. He didn't write either of those. Really? Yeah, he wrote Gambit. One of the other ones was Bun. I know that. I Colin Bun wrote him. Magneto. Are you certain Asmus wasn't Cyclops? Asmus definitely no, because Greg Rucker wrote Cyclops. Um, Nick, don't okay. you dare! This yeah. is, don't you dare question me on my <laughs> X Men. I thought I remember someone telling me the most recent iteration of Cyclops was Asmus. No, it was Rucka because I picked it up because I love Rucka, and then I was like, mm. "What is this garbage?" and stopped getting it. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, sorry, uh, Mike, but Cyclops yeah, is no, so not um, for me. It's uh, okay. That's a different episode. All, all by itself. <laughs> the episode is just Mike defending Cyclops against attacks for an hour. Get ready, listeners. The, yep. Yep. Anyway, um, not to let that keep going which is kind of why i'm not going to um <laughs> they put out a comic uh, a full page when uh quantum and woody was nominated for six harvey awards and i sent it to kate but they put out this one page about um like they're they're reading the the press announcement about how they had the james asmus had won these awards and and quantum is like you know this why did this guy get nominated for a humor award like our dad is dead people are trying to kill us all the time this guy is sick and then (laughs) woody points out he's like why are they even giving this guy the awards it's not like he even came up with us in the first place (laughs) 
<laughs> I will I will uh, find that so, and put it in the show notes. That sounds great. Yeah. So uh, a balance to all things, I suppose. And, unless, of course, you don't want those things at all. And if you want a super serious book with no jokes, that's great. There are plenty of those. If you want a book that's nonstop humor, there are a lot of those, too. Well, I guess. the trendy um, references, like I'm saying, with Black Widow is definitely not a humor book. And the references aren't meant to be humorous, but they show up. Mm-hmm. You know, So it's not just in humor books. But, See, uh, but just Star don't Wars. hammer them home. Like, yeah. If you have to ask, do you get it? You've lost, yeah. like, game over, that's it, you're done, don't do it. Yeah. I think that Star Wars is one of those very few properties that are out there that kind of permeates everything. Um, yes. I, 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 I be, would be surprised to say, I, some, I, I would be surprised to find someone in the United States that hasn't heard of Star Wars. Says um, the it, guy uh, complaining about Game of Thrones references, that's the same hey, thing. I don't... They're uh, not even in the same I league. don't think they're Come in the on. same league. Come on. And that's saying something, because Game of Thrones is so remarkably prolific that for me to say that, I think it, yeah. I, yeah, I think that Star Wars is is a, has, is like a, at a certain level, like with Disney. I mean, and that's why they're, I think they're owned by Disney. It's like, let's get this giant property as part of the rest of the giant properties that are out there. Um, but like, you know, Mickey Mouse is one of those characters that kind of just exists and everyone kind mm-hmm. of knows about, you know, who he is and Minnie Mouse and Goofy and all those characters. Um, and I think Star Wars for the most part, is at that same level. Because, that's um, true. That's true. But that's that's just Western American culture. like, and, yep. and that's pretty much what we're talking about here. But So so I'll let the Star Wars references pass is what I'm saying. <laughs> the things I like are fine. Everything else is And, and, and that's, that's also a part of the shit, right? Like, this is all, a lot of my annoyance comes from my own personal preference. And so by no means am I saying, like, this is the absolute way things should be done. So please, 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 listener out there, if you've gotten this late in the episode, uh, <laughs> realize that that's... That's what I'm getting at, but uh, and I think that goes for the other, for you two as well. But there yeah. is a there is a line. I think that a lot of comic book readers probably say that there is a line that uh, between like good referencing and good jokes in a comic book that have cultural references versus like you're just you're just dropping the Jamming names, jamming them in, like exactly, come on. yeah. But Star I mean, Wars. What is I'm fine. really trying to say here is that I might think that what you read is garbage. But it's your garbage, yep. and like you own it. This is know? my trash baby, and I love it. Own your trash. <laughs> See, really. and that's and that's the thing. I'm sure that there are a handful of books that I read that everyone goes, "Mike, that's just garbage." What are you What are you doing? Oh, me too. There's a bunch <laughs> of stuff Cyclops. I know people. You know? Kate, <laughs> shut up about Cyclops. His <laughs> name is Laserface. <laughs> Call him Laserface. All right. It's Mister Laserface to you. That's right. The, yeah, Nick's right. Own your trash. That's uh, <laughs> that's it. I mean, I mean that in a joking, but I also mean that in a serious way. I will say it right now, and I shouldn't have to because anyone who's listened to maybe two of these episodes know this. I read shit. Oh, yeah. When I tell, like, okay. I've recommended Squirrel Girl to people before. I'm like, this is dumb. You'll love it. But, you know, you, that's like the first yeah. thing you come up This is super dumb, but it's great. <laughs> like, so right. it's not... I don't know. We don't all have to be serious and t- intelligent. I've read a million issues where xenomorphs spray acid <laughs> on people, and I keep reading them. And keep buying because them. watching people have their molecular structure degraded by acid. Um, Ooh, this sounds... It's the gift that keeps on giving. Sounds like we see, might need to investigate you. <laughs> like, see, uh-oh. my favorite part about Nick reading the Alien and Predator books is that every time 
you pick, he picks one up. He'll message me. He goes, Mike, I already know how this story's going to go. Yep. <laughs> and, and he tells me the exact like order of operations of how things will happen. And then he finishes the book and goes, exactly as I thought. But they made a twist by doing this. That's, that's, <laughs> I mean, there's something to be said you about know, books that are predictable like that. because Reinventions on a theme. Variations on a theme, man. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, and you bought it because that's the exact thing you wanted. And then it delivered. Right. So Nick Nick owns his trash. Yep. Is what we're saying. Yeah, honestly. Like, be like I Nick was telling kids. Kate a couple of days ago. I was like, I'm looking at that IDW sale. I'm kind of excited. And she's like, what are you, what are you thinking about picking up? And I'm like, oh, yeah. well, I really shouldn't be sharing this with anyone, <laughs> but uh, I kind of want those Godzilla books. <laughs> and then you try and justify and, like, it by me, sending me art. <laughs> like, yeah, for you me, do Godzilla you, is like aliens, okay? Like, yep. there's, a, there's a prominent creature who's going to appear in the book at some point, but really the rest of the story can be virtually whatever you want. So actually, for me, at least, there's more artistic freedom because really, as long as Godzilla or the aliens show up, you can, I mean, I read an alien story that took place in 1950s Americana with, like, Ripley's great-great-great-grandfather or something like that. So Mm -hmm. there's more freedom there than you think. Um, It's a big universe. So on that note, own your trash and defend your trash to the fucking (laughs) dead. Because other people (laughs) are going to try to steal your trash, even after they've called it trash. Also recycle. I know we talked about trash now, but really, um, please. I mean, I just read Michigan's Michigan returns ninety percent of cans, but their average recycling rate is fifteen percent, yep. which is way below the nation's average. So, uh, do your part. And if you don't live in Michigan, don't think you're off the hook. You're you're not even returning cans, so you're worse than us. Nick. So the moral of the story is: own your trash and also recycle when possible. Yep. And defend your trash. Defend the trash yes. at the same time. Gotcha. Yeah. It's a it's a heavy, heavy burden that we carry as comic book readers. Yep. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the I Read Comic Books podcast. This episode was produced and hosted by me, Mike Rappin, with editing by Xander Riggs. Special thanks to Nick White and Kate Scotchless. The music in this episode is brought to you by the ever-amazing Infinity Shred. You can find Infinity Shred at infinityshred.com, as well as on Bandcamp at infinityshred.bandcamp.com. If you enjoy this show, tell someone about it. Rate us online. Write to us. Each person you tell about the show and each rating you give us lends a little more exposure to this show and helps us grow. It's also a great way for us to get feedback about the program that we create every week for you. Another great way to give us feedback is to take a minute or two to fill out our listener survey at ircb.us survey. Besides answering some questions about the show, we also ask what comics you're reading and what creators are currently your favorite. Or if you're looking to just say hi, you can email us at ircb at destroythesibe.org. And if you want to talk comics with us, find the I Read Comic Books group on Goodreads. We have a monthly book club that we feature on this show, and we have regular threads about what comics we've been reading. You can ask us questions and comment on each episode in our subreddit at iReadComicBooks.reddit.com. The entire podcast team is on Twitter, and you can follow the show at IRCB Podcast. But a great way to experience the podcast, including our back-issue bin of episodes and our weekly pull list posting, is to visit us at our website, ircb.us. Until next time, from all of us here at the podcast, thank you for listening.
trying to decide if I want to keep, like, so I got issue one of Avengers in floppy, but I think I want to get it in digital now. This is what, like, the most recent, recent Yeah, 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 this is the Del, the Del Mundo one. The Del Mundo, which is why the, I bought the single. The Wasp one. Right, that's yeah. the one. But okay. I, so I already sent the thing yesterday to my shop saying, well, you add this to my pull, and now I'm like, god damn it, I think I want to take that back, but I don't want to be the wishy-washy Ooh. asshole. Uh-huh, well, they don't uh-huh, order it special, uh-huh, yeah. especially books like that. They're not ordering it special. They're already ordering, like, because I've talked to them about this yeah. before. They're like, oh, we don't care Avengers even a little. Book. It's going to be yeah. no, no sweat off their, you know. Right. Yeah. So, and I literally sent it to them yesterday, but I think I want to swap it out and buy Mother Panic from them instead because mm. digital sales don't seem to keep books going the way that single sales do. You know what I mean? So, yeah, they do. Yeah, they do. Well, Mother, Mother Panic is. Even though I don't really think Mother Panic is in any sort of a real precarious position at this point, no. Um, I can tell you obviously, and I don't need to tell you that Avengers will continue or you know continue on. Right, it with or needs no support. one's support. Yeah. yeah, it needs mm-hmm. no support. And every time I hear about oh the numbers of books they're talking about, what shops actually purchased? So not even who purchased what from shops, but what shops ordered, and then that of course doesn't include any digital stuff. You know what I mean? So right. Well, I know Comic Cron attempts to. They, I, no, they 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 only pull numbers from from uh pre, from D- Diamond. Um, I thought that they said that they've also there's like a little disclaimer that says we've attempted to. Yeah, they estimate. They estimate because you can essentially yeah. you can essentially say look at print sales and then take ten to fifteen percent of that and estimate that out to be a book, um, books uh, total sales. That's and that's uh I don't actually know the numbers, but that's I would say that's probably a good guess. Yeah, I was gonna say I've never heard anyone really go after them for their methodology. Well, and so. I don't mean like that. That honestly doesn't even matter because that's not what the publishers going are going off of. But I guess they are technically going off full sales, right? I yeah, don't they're know. going off it's of full just... digital and. And yeah, sales, and they're yeah. not you know worrying about Comic Crown, which is more for people like us to look at and go, "Oh, look at this thing! I'm gonna post yeah. it." Well, it's only it. because they have all the information, and Comic Crown is our attempt to. That's what I mean. It's for the it. public, yeah. not for the yeah. actual purchase. So I guess it doesn't matter if I buy it either way. But anyway, I think that might be one I want to have. And what's important is that you <sighs> so buy it. I think. It's yeah. so hard to decide now because I got vision. I was like, yeah, this will be one I just get in digital. And now I'm so sad that I don't have it all in singles. Yeah. Like in floppies, I mean, I have it all in singles digitally, obviously. But it's just like. You want me to look? Kate, so now I with can see new if they things. They have it at Midtown. For the whole thing? For all 12 issues? Yeah, maybe. What? What, Kate? You need all 12 in singles? That's what I mean is like, I so no, I'm going to, I see, I've decided that I'm not going to be that insane. What I'm going to do is just save my money for the big inevitable omnibus and be okay with that. Because I can't own this in digital singles, floppies, and uh, expensive trade. Yes, you can. Ask Tia. Yes, budget, you can. Budgets <laughs> yeah, are a thing. Say, I know. Don't. Oh my God. You're such a terrible I influence. Yeah I, yeah, I have that too. I have witches and everything. So yeah, I buy, I buy, I double buy injection in single, in single floppy and in digital because it's much easier for me to read in digital in general. Mm-hmm. I usually I try and do digital for literally anything that I don't think is going to be super precious to me long term because That's, I just don't yeah. have space. I'm the same way. I basically only buy like my quote unquote precious books. Yep, that way. exactly. But then things turn out to be precious and you don't have all of them anymore. 
and it hurts. Yeah. Like vision. So now with these two books starting, I'm like, oh God, which one of these is going to turn into, if either, a thing that I want to (sighs) have? Okay. This is how comics get you. 